number 37. John chapter 5, verse number 37. Um, I had a private concert at my house this morning. Brother Joe doesn't know it. I videotaped him while he's playing piano, getting ready for church. Thank you, Brother Joe. That was a real blessing. Uh, it may or may not get on the internet, all right? Uh, John chapter 5, look at verse 37. By the way, has anybody noticed Joe's smiling a lot more today? Anybody notice that? All right. I just, I just thought I'd point that out. I, uh, no, oh, Tara, I didn't even notice you were here. Uh, that's maybe what it is. Uh, John chapter 5, uh, look at verse number 36, John 5, 36. Uh, and, and of course, after the morning service, we've got uh, Brother Steon and Miss Megan coming to dedicate little baby Annie. Yeah. Amen. Excited about that. And then afterwards, we'll all head downstairs and uh, enjoy some good food and fellowship as we uh, uh, say uh, not really goodbye, but see you later, the Smiths. All right. No one's dying. Amen. Uh, they're just moving to Kansas, which is close. <laughs> All right, uh, but all joking aside, uh, we'll have a good time of fellowship, and it'll be a time to give some testimonies uh, for those who like to say something that, that they've done in your life that's been a blessing to you and how they served our church, so we'll do that after the morning service. John 5, verse number 36, but I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Now, we talked about this last week, and I want to mention it one more time. Your actions speak louder than your words. Uh, we don't believe in life. You guys know what lifestyle evangelism is? Anybody know what that is? What that means is you never open your mouth and testify about Jesus. You just live out the Christian life. Uh, I think for too long we've seen it as either or. It should be and. All right. You should be a public and vocal and oral witness for Jesus Christ. Uh, I was meeting with someone uh, a couple weeks ago and they said, man, these young guys uh, going out and, and preaching on the street, that encourages me as an older guy because I look at it and go, man, if they can do it, I can do it. Amen. Uh, you ought to be a vocal witness for Jesus Christ, but I'll also say that the, the things that you do, your works, and I, don't, I use that word very specifically, your works should speak to your words. Now, uh, you are not in a church that says if your works don't line up with your words, then you must not be saved. We all, we all know that's foolishness. Uh, we, are, we are not sinless. We are not in a sinless body. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to sin. You're going to blow it. All right. However, uh, the idea is Jesus said, look, the greatest witness I have is, is not what others say about me. It's what I've done. And that's a testimony. That's a reminder for us. All right, look at verse 37. And the Father himself, uh, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him ye, not, ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. All right, let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to get in the book. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bear witness to the things that are said from this pulpit. And God, if it ever comes to a point where your Holy Spirit cannot bear witness to it, Lord, I pray that you would uh, show me, Lord, where I'm wrong, and Lord, I can make it right so that your people can hear directly from you. Lord, they don't need to hear just from a man. Lord, they need to hear from you, and I pray the Holy Spirit would bear witness to that today. And uh, Lord, I pray that there's anyone that comes here today, Lord, uh, that isn't saved. Lord, they might be saved today. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone, any Christian that comes that's weary, they might be encouraged today. Lord, any Christian that comes that maybe needs a rebuke, Lord, you know what everybody needs in this room. I just pray that you'd fulfill that as you see fit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, now uh, look again at verse uh, 37. The Father himself, had, which has sent me, hath borne witness of me. And we talked at length about how the Father spoke from heaven 
And he did this twice. He did this at the baptism uh, where, where John uh, the Baptist baptizes Jesus. And by the way, I share this with some of the men in the church this week. Jesus did not go to get baptized to wash away sins. All right, there, there, are, there are kids' books going out there that, where Jesus says, uh, I have to go wash my sins away. Jesus doesn't have sins to wash away. And that's satanic that anyone would even put that in a kid's face. Uh, now you say, what is that? That's the fruit of modern Christianity. When there is no authority, and when you can make the Bible say whatever you want to say, there it is. And so uh, understand that when Jesus went to get baptized, it was to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, I'm not going to ask these of the nation of Israel <clears throat> to commit to the kingdom of heaven if they see that the leader of that kingdom is also not committed. So he goes as a public testimony to say, here's your Messiah, here's your king of that kingdom. All right. Uh, but he does not go to wash any sins away. All right. And by the way, you don't get baptized to wash your sins away either. All right, uh, you're not in Acts chapter 2, that's another subject for another time, but uh, all that said, uh, the Lord, uh, God the Father speaks from heaven twice audibly that we can see in the, in the Gospels, uh, once there at the baptism of John, and, and again, secondly, on the Mount of Transfiguration. And so Jesus says, hey, the Father is born witness of me. Then he goes on to say, you haven't heard his voice, you haven't seen his shape. Now, I want to talk about both of those things, um, and I want, to, I want to make mention of the fact that when the Lord speaks, there's two things uh, that his voice is likened unto, and uh, unfortunately, people uh, are, are, take the Bible and kind of twist it to make things it, uh, say, uh, make the Bible say the things it doesn't say. And uh, I want to be clear with you: when we talk about the voice of God uh, being connected with the sound of a trumpet, that's different than an angel blowing a trumpet. All right, when the voice sounds like a trumpet, that's different than saying an angel actually blew a trumpet. All right, there is an association with the voice of God uh, and trumpets going all the way back to the Old Testament. Uh, but I want to be clear with you, again, that's different than saying an angel blows a trumpet and that is the voice of God. They're not equal, they're different. All right? Also, the voice of God is connected with thunder. So uh, let's look at a couple places in Scripture on this and we're going to kind of make sense of how uh, from this we can delineate, and I think it's very important to do this, what people do is they conflate the seven trumpets in Revelation 8 with the last trump that's mentioned in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, they are not the same. I'm going to show that to you. Uh, before we get to that, look at some, uh, some things here. Look at uh, uh, Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. So the voice of God. Now, again, we went through this last week. Uh, what what, what uh, Moses heard as words the people of Israel heard as something else, all right? They did not necessarily hear all the words directly from God uh, as much as that Moses heard it and gave them what God said. They were trembling and they were fearful when they heard the voice of God. Uh, look at Exodus 19. And by the way, that's how you ought to approach the Bible. This is God's voice to you today. And you ought to tremble at it and you should fear it and you shouldn't approach it like it's any other book. Uh, Exodus 19, look if you would at verse number 16. Uh, this is actually uh, uh, when Moses uh, is standing between the people and God. Look, at, if you would, at verse 16. It came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the, the mount. And watch this. You ought to underline this. Watch what it says. And the voice of the trumpet. 
Now you say, why, why do you underline that? I'm going to tell you why in a little bit, but do it. <laughs> Trust me on this. All right, the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Here's the problem. No one's blowing a trumpet. They're not blowing a trumpet. No one up there is blowing a trumpet, but what they hear is like the voice of a trumpet. All right, well, in your Bible, the word for that is trump. And I'm not talking about, you know, the president or anything like that. All right. It got, we got weird, goofy stuff on the Internet yeah. where they say the last trump, the second time in, that's when the rapture is going to happen. Whatever, man. That, that's not what that is. All right. I mean, you can, again, you can make the Bible say anything you want to say. If, if you preach the Bible from the headline instead of preaching the Bible from the Bible, you can make it say anything you want. All right. So this thing over here in First Thessalonians 4, it's called the last trump. Uh, and a trump is basically the sound of a trumpet. That is the definition of that word, all right? It is not to be equal with trumpet, all right? Because I can hear the sound that a trumpet makes, and there actually be no trumpet. And, and you say, what is that? That's the voice of God, all right? Uh, now, you may or may not remember. Uh, let's, let's read a couple more verses, and we're going to go to Revelation chapter 4. Uh, but look at, uh, oh, let's see here, verse number 16 here. Uh, the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled, and Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. Now, that's not a picture of the rapture. That right there is more a picture of the second coming and Israel as a remnant, Revelation chapter 12, if, you're, if you kind of follow and track and where I'm going with this. Uh, and they stood at the nether part of the mount, and Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it. Uh, when Jesus Christ comes back, the second coming, not the rapture, make a delineation, all right? When Jesus comes back, all right, and he comes back on a white horse, Revelation chapter 19, at the, at the end of the time of Jacob's trouble, when he does that, all right, uh, what you need to understand is this, he's going to stand on the mount, and that mount's going to split in two, Mount of Olives. Uh, the same mountain that he was taken up from, he's going to split it, Zechariah chapter 14. Now, uh, why do I make a big deal out of that? I'm making a big deal of that because that's the second coming. In the rapture of the church, he doesn't come all the way down. Matter of fact, we go up to meet him in the clouds, and here's what it says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Israel doesn't actually go to meet with God. You know what they tell Moses? We're scared. You go talk to him for us. All right? And, uh, and, so, and so, by the way, Moses and Elijah show up in the Great Tribulation, Revelation chapter 11, and so it, it, it's all connected, man. It's all connected. All right. Uh, when, when conspiracy theorists like try to like, you know, draw these things, I'm like, man, that's nothing. The Bible is way cooler than all that stuff. Uh, but uh, look, if you would, at uh, let's see here. Look at verse 19. When the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake and God answered him by a so the voice of God is connected with a trumpet. Now, why does that matter? You need to learn to rightly divide your Bible and understand the difference. Someone asked, I don't know if, I, if it was on the, the live stream thing or whatever, uh, but someone asked, can you explain, Brother Elvin, I think it was you, uh, the difference between the day of the Lord and the day of Christ. It really simply put is this. Remember this, Christ right, is the anointed of God. And you know what you know about, about the Lord Jesus Christ? He was begotten in time as the only begotten Son of God. Prior to that, He existed. He is God. He always was. I am that I am, right? Before Abraham was, I am, John 8. Uh, but, but His title prior to that was the Word of God. So for someone to be anointed and the anointed of God, the Messiah, they would have had to have lived in time. 
That's why the, 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 the uh, coming of God manifest in the flesh is so important, all right? Uh, so the day of Christ re- is something that refers specifically to Jesus Christ. All right, well, what is it connected with? What, in your Bible, uh, Philippians 1, uh, you don't have to turn there right now. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, uh, I believe also in Ephesians chapter 3, I might be wrong about that. Uh, there's some references to the day of Christ uh, or the day of the Lord Jesus, and those terms are synonymous. You know what they're connected with? With the rapture and the judgment seat of Christ. Then you've got the day of the Lord. Well, you know what the Lord encompasses? This is more about his humanity. This is more about his deity. You know, so in his, in his humanity, do you know what he does? He wins a bride. In his deity, do you know what he does? He becomes king over the entire world. All right, so they're, they're, this is, they're different. They're not the same. Now, there's overlap in the sense that this can't happen without this happening first. All right, so the day of Christ is connected with the rapture and the judgment seat of Christ. The day of the Lord is something you'll read about in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, you go over to Isaiah, you go to Jeremiah, the day of the Lord is terrible and, and with dark clouds and, and terribleness. And, the, you know, it talks about the fire of God and, and Malachi chapter number four and him burning up his enemies. Joel chapter two it talks about the day of the Lord. And uh, it's all about battle and warfare and death and destruction. You say, why is that? Because the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, Matthew 11, and the violent take it by force. The problem is anyone that isn't Jesus Christ trying to take it, that's the problem, <laughs> And when you've got, you know, the Pope and the Catholic Church saying, you know, it's our job to bring in the kingdom, and, and you've got Protestants doing the same thing, you make a mess of things. That's why Bible-believing Christians, when some jackwagon professor in the college says, you Christians have been killing people for centuries, ah, no, sir, I'd like to delete myself and just want to educate you a little bit, professor, and let you know that the word Christian means a disciple of Jesus Christ, according to Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And I can tell you right now, if anyone is a disciple of Christ, they would know our kingdom right now is a spiritual one, not a physical one. Yeah. And so I'm not going to kill someone and get them to agree with me to bring in the kingdom. That's how Islam does it, and that's how the Catholic Church did it in the Dark Ages, all right? Uh, you may go, well, the Catholic Church is nicer now. We'll find out in a couple years when we're out of here. Uh, all right, so now all that said, uh, the, the idea is this, Christian. You need to understand the day of the Lord is different than the day of Christ. They are not the same. There's overlap in the sense that this has to happen before this happens. You can make that argument, but if you try to conflate them and make them the same, you make a missing. Why am I mentioning this in light of all of this? Again, people go to Revelation chapter 8. Uh, don't go there quite yet, but they go to Revelation, cha- go to Revelation chapter 4 right now. Uh, they go to Revelation chapter 8, and they make a big deal about those seven trumpets. And when they read, uh, because, and I'm not trying to be mean when I say this, but when a guy professes online that what he believes about the rapture and the tribulation he learned when he was 12 on his own and nobody taught him, I'm real leery of that. And you ought to be as well. All right? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't go digging in the garbage bale. But I'll just say this. Uh, uh, there's a guy that it's been a big, you know, kind of movement, if you will, over the last couple of years that's confused a lot of well-meaning Bible-believing Christians that get online and try to learn their Bible online, which is why I'm always, some of you go, why are you always harping on YouTube preachers? Don't you know you're on YouTube? Yes, and so are you. The camera's not on me talking for an hour with nobody else in the room about how I know something that nobody else knows. This is church that happens to get recorded, and rather than it being on tape, it's digital. That's it. All right, we're not trying to build a following for Pastor Dominguez here. That's not the goal of, of getting messages online. Get a hold of that. Those guys are all about it. 
And you know why some of you don't know that? Because you don't know marketing. When you like to learn marketing, you see what those guys are doing. They're making merchandise of you. You know when you go, oh, this app is free. No, it's not. When you pay for an app, you, okay, you're the, you're, you're the consumer, you're paying for the app. When you're not paying for an app, you know what the price is? Your, your data and your privacy. All right? That, so, so when it comes to all this stuff, get a hold of this. Uh, the, uh, the Lord, go to Revelation chapter 4. The Lord made it very clear that the day of the Lord and the day of Christ are two separate events. And you've got to really divide those things up. Look at Revelation chapter 4. Now, if you don't remember, uh, we did our series on, on the seven churches, seven letters, seven churches. Uh, just finished that up, and um, hope you guys learned something from that. I, I'm, really, I'm not going to lie. I learned some stuff from that that I hadn't seen before because I had to study it out a little bit more. Uh, they say the greatest way to, to learn something is to have to teach it, uh, and I can, I can definitely say I learned some things from it. Um, but that said, at the end of those seven churches, Laodicea is the last one, and we learned that you can be in Laodicea but be a Philadelphian Christian, all right? Uh, now, all that said, look at Re- Revelation chapter 4. After the last mention of the last church, the seventh church, Revelation 4, look at verse 1. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a talking with who? The whole world, the church, or me? It's me, it's personal. Now, why does that matter? Because when God talked there in Exodus, you know what happens? Moses is hearing words, and they're hearing a trumpet, and they're freaking out, hearing, uh, seeing lightning and thunders. And the voice of God is connected with thunder as well. We'll go to some verses that, that show that. But I want you to notice that one of the greatest pictures of the rapture of the church. Now, if you haven't drawn these connections yet, uh, for some, that this is going to be a review for some, and I get that. For others, you haven't uh, done this yet. So for those, uh, you know got a church this size you know you got you got some folks have been to bible school and you got some folks that got saved a month ago so uh the bible says tarry one for another you know what that means those that have heard this before you just go yep i got it i'll just remember this i'll hear it again and for those that haven't heard before take some notes all right now john the apostle john is called the beloved disciple jesus says the disciple whom uh, well you know it's kind of funny who writes the gospel of john not a trick question And you know what John does in John? He talks about the beloved disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Can you imagine like Peter reading it for the first time? (laughs) And Peter's like, what a jerk. (laughs) Lord, did you really inspire this? (laughs) You know, Uh, so uh, he talks about himself as the beloved disciple. Now, think about this. John, you guys can quote it. John chapter three, verse 16. Go ahead. For God so loved the... Okay, he loved the, the whole world, right? Now, we know that's not the world system. That's the people in the world. So he loved every sinner enough to die for them. Can we agree on that? All right. So the Lord loved all his disciples. That's what it says in John 13, I believe it is. John 17. In John 17, it says that Jesus loved all his disciples unto the end. You know what that means? Judas is in that mix. Isn't that wild? Some of you got a problem with people right now. You got a problem with a Christian. Maybe someone in this room. Well, I can tell you this. They they didn't turn you in to get you killed. Come on. Get off your high horse. God forgave you of so much more. When you get, I know, you say, why are you getting loud? Because I can tell that, ooh, we just hit something there. It's like like when you're sailing. 
as a preacher, you can just feel it. It's like, hmm. Preacher, go back to talking about the voice of God. You know the problem is? When you are unforgiving, you don't hear the voice of God. And, and, and so Christian, I'm going to tell you right now, all, he loved all his disciples under the end, right? Including Judas. Why can't you forgive somebody? It wasn't even the notes. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> the whole point was this, is that he loved all his disciples. So then why does this guy get this title? Question. Did Jesus love the whole world? He died for it. Look at Ephesians 5. Look at Ephesians 5, and uh, man, ladies, if you don't amen this, yeah, we're going to have some trouble today. Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, I, was at a, <laughs> I was at a wedding one time where the preacher, the preacher got up and said, you know, the way that we, our culture looks at the word submit in the original languages, it really doesn't mean to submit. I was like, wait a minute, I thought it did. And, and I, I talked to someone afterwards. I said, you know how I know it means submit? Because it's spelled S-U-B-M-I-T. Isn't that profound, Brother Sean? All right. Well, how do you want to define that? I mean, you know, well, just, you know, what it really means is, you know what that is? That's a preacher that is worried more about offending someone than preaching the truth. Now, I can see it. I, I, I've done a couple weddings in my day, and, and I always get to that part where it says to honor and to obey him. And you can tell if it's a, a bride that's kind of like, well, what is that? Oh. <laughs> and, and like for the further hand, that's why we don't practice beforehand, man. Just <laughs> do it the day of and like honor and obey. What? 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 <laughs> you know? Uh, but, but those old-fashioned vows, now they're, 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 they're that way for a reason. They're biblical. Now, submit doesn't mean that you're a doormat. I mean, gentlemen, you ought, to, you ought to make your wife feel like the most important woman in the room. And I know. Some are like, I don't celebrate Valentine's Day because it's pagan. <laughs> okay, all right, fair. All right, that's cool. Then, then no one's going to celebrate your birthday. And when you have an anniversary at work, well, no, 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 we don't do that. That's probably pagan too. And, and so all the stuff that you buy yourself gifts for, gentlemen, that's out the window if you're going to go down that road. Now, you may go, oh, I'm not going to do it. Don't do it if you don't want to. That's fine. I, I'm going to romance my lady, okay? <laughs> All right, I'm going to buy her some flowers. I'm going to take her out. I'm going to do the, right, the study. You say, why? Well, everybody does it. Well, you know, everybody does it, so I don't want to do it. You're just such a nonconformist. You just, fine. Wait till the week after when they're 50% off <laughs> and buy whatever you want, okay? But just buy something, all right? Uh, look at Ephesians. I don't even know where this is going right now. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. And look, if you would, at uh, verse number 25. Now, ladies, you better amen this. Husbands, love your wives. Amen. amen. Tara's just about ready to go, amen. I'm almost there. <laughs> love your wives. Even as Christ, now watch it, even as Christ loved the what? I thought I'd say he loved the world. Well, he did love the world enough to die for it, but there's a special love that he has for the church. Here's why. I, ex I extend my love to all. But then this remnant of people accept my love. So now we're in a certain covenant. I'm in a, a covenant of love with them that I don't have with everybody else. All right? And, and so the idea is this. Do you know who John is a picture of? He, God, Jesus loved all the disciples. But he had a special love for one. 
Now, you know, parents, let me tell you something. Joseph, coat of many colors. Remember that story? If you do love one of your kids more, don't let everyone know <laughs> by buying the one a coat of many colors. It's like, it's like saying, please kick me. It's like taking a, a sign and put it on the back of the kid's back, you know, please kick me. Uh, I, here's another one for you. Let me just throw this out there. Another one here is, is this. If you have a dream where everybody bows down to you, keep it to yourself, okay? All right? So here's what I want you to get. John's a picture of the church. So do you know what John receives? John receives in Revelation chapter 4 a picture of the rapture of the church. So go back there one more time, Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. It's making sense? All right. Revelation chapter 4. And I asked Logan to take notes and make sure everything I'm wrong on, he can correct me later. Can we do that? <laughs> He's like, stop it, preacher, you're embarrassing me. Uh, uh, Revelation chapter 4, look if you would at verse uh, number 1. <clears throat> and the first voice. Now, why does he say that? Because there's a lot of voices up there. But the first one that he hears is the one that loved him enough to die for him. And it says, I heard as it were a trumpet talking with me which said, come up hither. Go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I hope we never take the Bible for granted. There's no book like this book, guys. John chapter 10 and uh, notice what it says here about uh, Jesus Christ and him talking to his sheep. Uh, verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door, this is why I say to young men, if you're not willing to go talk to dad and you want to talk to her through Snapchat, you're, you're not worthy, son, because you're not going through the front door. All right, you are a thief and a robber. And we will shoot you. And, I mean, and we will pray for you. We'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. All right. Uh, look at verse 2. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. You know what his intentions are. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his And he called his own sheep by And leadeth them where? You know what that is? That's you, Christian. That's here. Look at First Thessalonians chapter 4 now in light of that. Now, the struggle that people have is they assume that God only talks once uh, at the rapture. And that's a false assumption. Um, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I want to I show you something here in regards to uh, what is listed out. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4. There are two, I would say, very... I mean, Paul talks about the rapture a lot. He really does. He talks about uh, uh, the fact that there's a crown uh, for looking forward to and loving the appearing of Jesus Christ. All right. He talks about uh, that, uh, the fact that uh, uh, he that had begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's the day of Christ. All right. He talks about it a lot. But as far as the description of the event, like what actually happens during the rapture, um, that's in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15. You can make the argument to an extent Romans 8 a little bit, but look at 1 Thessalonians 4 
and verse uh, 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not. Now, that sleep there is not a sleep of the soul like Jehovah's Witnesses talk about. If you don't know that, uh, write a reference in your Bible. It'll be Matthew 27, verse 52, where it says, The bodies of the saints which slept arose. The bodies, not the souls, all right? And oh, by the way, when I uh, am born again, my soul and my flesh are cut away anyways. All right, so what happens in the body doesn't really affect the soul. Uh, when I die, they're going to put me in a, you know, bear me or, you know, incinerate me or whatever. I'm going to go back to the dust. That's where I started, Adam. That's where I'm going. Uh, that's the body. All right, now look at verse uh, uh, 14, or verse 13. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Talking about the resurrection of the body where you get a new and glorified body, 1 Corinthians 15. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. All right? Uh, oh, and by the way, when you start changing the words, all those cross-references are gone. Uh, look at verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain uh, under the coming of the Lord shall not pre-event, prevent them which are asleep. So they get a head start. So what kind of head start is it? I don't know. I can't tell you. Some may go, it could be a millisecond. Okay. It could be 40 days. You go, oh, no, I don't, I don't know about that. Well, it happened before. Uh, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he's the first fruits of the resurrection. Guess what happened? The bodies of the saints which slept arose, and they were up for 40 days. You're going to tell me that if people lived in a city where a man claimed to be God, and I'm going to die, and, and I'm going I'm to lay down, life, be buried in three days, later, I'm going to come back up. You're going to tell me nobody saw that? When people try to make, you know, all religions equal, it's like, are you out of your ever-loving mind? Like, that's not even rational. If you've got a city where people are talking about a guy that was dead and is up for, I mean, you got, you got a guy that's not a, a saved or born-again Christian, uh, Josephus. I know I've referenced this before, but he has a lot of historical books that he writes uh, and in his books, he talks about a man uh, that named, G and he says it like this, a man that claimed to be the Messiah, that claimed to be the Christ. He doesn't even say he is. He said, but many spoke of him after his death as being alive. People go, oh, it's just in the Bible. No, it's not. You're not educated. Yeah. Don't tell me I'm not uneducated, you know, bumpkin. You're, you haven't read history. When you read history, you find out uh, there's people that saw this outside the Bible, and they wrote about it. Now, if somebody doesn't want to accept that, that's fine. That's their own business. But if you're going to go down that road, I like it. If someone goes, well, no one really knows that we can verify anything in history. Well, I don't, I don't know that you ever were born. <laughs> or that George Washington ever lived. Well, I mean, just, just stop it. Quit. They go so far to get rid of Jesus Christ, they don't make sense. Yeah. All right? Now, now, what's going on here is this. Uh, I believe, and I, I'm not going to say this is doctrine, but I think he mentions a last trump for a reason. And I believe what you have is you got those that were dead in Christ going up first. He's got to call them by name. Okay? And, uh, and here's, here's kind of what I see. Let's say the rapture happens right now. Okay? Happens right now. And uh, all of a sudden I go, you, got, you guys hear that? You know? And uh, we go around the room. Miss Debbie's like, yeah, I heard my name. I'm, no, no. I heard Adrian. Actually, I heard Adrian. Adrian, come up here there. Make God sound like Antonio Banderas or something, you know. Uh, uh, and, and we go around the room, you know, like, I heard this, and I heard this, and I heard my name, and I heard my name. And Joe's like, I heard Tara's name. What's going on? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> He's saved. I'm kidding. That's a joke. 
All right. So, so what would have to happen first is those that are dead would go up. And they're going to be called by name. See what that means? There's a first trump. There's at least one more and a last trump. Nothing to do with the tribulation. This has to do with the voice of God calling his sheep out of here. Is this making sense? All right. Uh, look at verse number 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. We did not get very far in this lesson today. <laughs> Boys and girls, I blame you. I'm just kidding. Um, just, just not getting there. Um, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. We're going to break down 16 in a moment. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, look at chapter 5. What's the first word in chapter 5? All right, look at verse 2. He talks about the day of the Lord coming like a thief in the night. You see the difference between the two? One's rejoicing in comfort. The other one's like, hey, this is not good, right? Uh, and he says, sudden destruction is going to come upon them, not the church, upon them. That's the world. All right, now, let me break this down for you, all right? Because he talks about uh, the voice of the archangel. Who is that? Look at uh, Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12, look at verse 1. All right, so let me just, well, for sake of time, while you turn there, all right, in the tribulation, in Revelation chapter 8, it lists out seven trumpets. And those seven trumpets pronounce judgment on the world. Can I ask you a question? Where's the judgment in 1 Thessalonians 5? There is none. It's comfort. Why? Because it's a voice that you hear personally. It's not judgment being pronounced on the world. All right, those trumpets are blown by angels, and I'm not trying to be... Uh, 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 sarcastic, like mean or cynical, but if you just read what it says, you'd understand the two aren't the same. In, in Revelation 8, there are angels blowing trumpets. You go, well, well, Michael's mentioned here. I'm going to make reference to Michael in just a moment, but understand he lists out the trump of God. What is that? That's the voice of God calling his sheep out by name. We got that one figured out. All right. Uh, uh, we also notice that it says that we're going to meet the Lord in the clouds. All right, well, guess what? Zechariah 14, Joel chapter 2, Revelation 19, and all the rest of them talk about the day of the Lord. When these trumpets are blown, this final trumpet that's blown is the thing that's blown before he comes back. Well, you know what that is? That's judgment on the world and the second advent, not the rapture of the church. And so when some guy that can't read fifth grade English is getting on YouTube telling you that you're going to be here halfway through the tribulation, he's wrong. All right, uh, now, uh, where did I tell you to go? Daniel 12, all right. Daniel 12, look if you would. You say, what is that? Pastoral ADD. Uh, Daniel 12, and look if you would at verse number 1. This is the Lord speaking to Daniel. And uh, look what's mentioned here, Daniel 12. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of who? And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even at that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered. That's the end of the tribulation. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. That's a bunch of years smashed into one verse. Now, Michael is called the prince of who? The prince of Israel. All right. Well, you say, well, I thought the time of Jacob's trouble is a tribulation. It is. You say, why does it come with the, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God? Here's why. 
the Lord is speaking to his church, saying, come up hither. Michael is getting ready for what's about to happen right here. Michael does not come to help Jesus fix everything at the end. Michael is there to stand for the people of Israel because eventually, you know what they're going to be saying? They're going to be a remnant of them. Revelation 12 is going to be crying out, asking the Lord to deliver them. Joel chapter 2. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what it says in Romans. In Joel it says delivered. One is physical, Joel 2. One is spiritual, Romans 10. All right? And so in reference to this, what you understand is the voice of the archangel's there, but he's not blowing a trumpet. It's his voice, not him blowing a trumpet. Whereas in Revelation 8, it's angels who are unnamed, and Michael's not one of them that you see, and they're actually blowing trumpets. This is not this. And when you make these two things the same thing, you make a mess of it. All right? Uh, now, uh, I'll close with this thought. We're kind of running out of time. Uh, Jesus says, no man has heard his voice nor seen his shape. And uh, he says, no man can see God. Look at uh, Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33. Now, now, question, is Jesus Christ God? All right. So Jesus is standing in front of them and saying, no man can see God. But Jesus is God. And he's standing in front of them. All right, <clears throat> the context of no man can see God, you know what it is? It's the Father. He referenced the Father's voice and the Father's shape, how they haven't seen it. He's not talking about himself. Look, you are a body, a soul, and a spirit. Your body is the shell. It's what we can see. I see Brother Eric, but I don't see the real Brother Eric. I can't. The, the real Brother Eric, I don't mean like he's diabolically hiding himself. I don't... <laughs> I don't mean that. I mean, you know, doing this number, you know. I, I, that's not what I mean. What I mean is this. I can't see his soul. The closest thing I've got to looking at someone's soul is looking at your eyes. And I can tell you what, man, after, after you have either been in law enforcement, in the court system, or you've been preaching the Bible for a while and dealing with people, you can look at people's eyes and go, so that's where you're at, huh? I'm not saying I got some kind of gift. It's just after a while. You guys get all weird on me like I'm never looking at pastor. <laughs> I say, hey, brother. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, but but after, you, after you deal with people for so many years, you can just kind of, you can see it. It's, it's a window into the soul, but I can't see your soul. So I'm looking at brother Eric, but I'm not looking at brother Eric. Are you with me? So I'm seeing him, but I'm not. So, so I can see the physical manifestation of brother Eric. And so they're looking at Jesus, who's God in the flesh, but he says, no man has seen God, referencing the Father, seen, heard his voice, seen his shape, all right? And, and so you say, what is that? That's like the soul. You've got a soul that's eternal. That, that's a mirror image of God the Father. And, uh, and that's why, if you're lost without Jesus Christ, it says, where their worm dieth not. It doesn't say the worm. Their worm possessive plural what is that that's their soul in hell taking on the image of their father like a serpent all right well you are predestined to be conformed to the image of jesus christ forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and you can eat whatever you want you'll never gain weight amen all right 
Now, now the Spirit, obviously that's, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. Now look at Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. <clears throat> Bear with me with my voice here, guys. Exodus 33, and look at verse number 18. Exodus 33, and verse number 18. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. This is Moses talking to God. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my... For there shall no man see me and... So God kind of tucks Moses behind a rock, and he lets his glory pass by, and, and, and Moses sees that. But he doesn't get to see God in all of his glory face to face. Now, the word as is really important in your Bible, as and like, because God says, as a man speaketh with his friend, so shall I speak with Moses face to face. It's, <clears throat> it's the likeness of, but it's not actually God revealing all of his glory. And, and listen, the little bit that Moses did see, it caused his face to shine like the sun. So when he came down off that mountain, they go, you got to cover up. I wish you'd leave church. And they go, it's too much. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a blessing? Yeah. I can tell you this. There's been times where they said it's too much, and they're not talking about Jesus. They're seeing me. Uh, but, but Moses caught a little glimpse of that glory. The idea is this. Uh, look at uh, verse 23 right there. I will take away my hand. Thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Now, do you say you understand all that? Not completely. But I know this much. Man in this physical body cannot take God in all of his glory. That's why whatever part of God in the Old Testament he does reveal to man, you know what they always do? And we come to church, and it's kind of like, all right, God, what are you going to do for me? You know? Oh, let me see what's on the, who's, who's, who's playing today? You know? What's going on with this? Let me check my phone. And God's like, hey, I'm, I'm right here. Yeah. Hey, back in the Old Testament, you know what they did? They fell on their face. And uh, there's a... The Bible says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He didn't write that to lost people. Um, and so the Lord is telling them, look, you, you can't see God. Look at John chapter 4, and we'll close with this. You, you can't see God in all of his glory because you are not yet in an eternal body. Um, I'm looking forward to that day. I'm not there yet. But as the old song says, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the sun and the stars, something, 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 and Jupiter and Mars. <laughs> but he's still working on me. Remember that song? I'm glad he's still working on me. Look at John 4. Here, here's why you, you can't see God in all of his glory. Because you are, while you have a spirit, and while you possess your soul, you are not in an eternal body that can take that. Look at John 4, verse 24. God is a what? And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So when the Lord uh, uh, says, I'm, I'm sorry, there's one more. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. One more, one more. I'm like a like a like a, an addict, you know, with the Bible. Just just one more, guys. One more, one more. All right, Hebrews chapter one, and uh, look if you would. By the way, I heard we had a great uh, kickoff for Overcomers Ministry on Friday night. That was a real blessing. 
Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, look if you would at verse number 3. Talking about the Son in verse 2. Notice that. Verse 3, who being the brightness of His glory and the express... What's the next word? Image. Image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power. When He had by Himself purged our sins, it's clearly talking about Jesus Christ, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So He is the express image of God. All right? Uh, and that is, in, a physical, in the physical realm, the closest that any human being will ever come to seeing God will be Jesus Christ, because He is God manifest in the flesh, all right? Uh, but uh, go back to John chapter number uh, 5, and we'll wrap it up. John 5. <clears throat> so now, when it says in verse 37, The Father Himself which hath sent me hath borne witness to me, Ye have neither heard his voice, at least now you have a better idea of what his voice sounds like, okay? And what it's connected with, all right? Nor seen his shape. I haven't seen his shape, uh, but I, I tell you what, I can't wait to see it face to face, amen? And someday we'll see it face to face. And ye have not his word abiding you, for whom he has sent him you believe not. Uh, I'll close with this thought. If you want to come to God, you come on God's terms, and that's not just for salvation. Uh, if you want God to reveal himself to you, Christian, you come on His terms, not yours. And what I mean by that is no, no preconceived idea of what God is supposed to do in this situation. It's just, Lord, I'm coming to you. Here's situation. I need you to reveal yourself to me. And Lord, whatever the answer is, I'm okay with that because I want you to show up, not my version of you to show up. Amen? All right, let's all stand. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. And uh, make sure I know what time it is here. Uh, we'll start at five after, Brother Eric, all right? Five after. Uh, let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Uh, Brother Joe, if you'd ask the Lord's blessing, we just heard.